as Ben said, we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit together here on Sunday mornings. And uh, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul writes, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so today we come to the, the character, the virtue of gentleness today. Now, guys, I know that it's kind of hard for us as men to get excited about the topic of gentleness, right? I mean, we're men. We like to watch movies where things blow up, right? We like to watch sports like football and hockey where guys are hitting each other. We like to watch NASCAR races with their spectacular crashes. We like to shoot things and blow stuff up. Gentleness isn't exactly in our wheelhouse, is it? The dictionary defines gentleness as the quality of being kind, tender, and mild-mannered. Mild-mannered. We don't want to be Clark Kent. We want to be Superman, right? Mild-mannered. I even googled images on gentleness. And I googled gentleness, and here are the kind of images that came up. Butterflies. Oh, isn't that nice? Babies. Oh, so sweet. Birds. Dogs with birds. Bears sniffing flowers. And bears holding toilet paper. So that's, that's the stuff that came up when I googled gentleness. So guys, I get it. I get your skepticism. You probably were looking ahead and thinking, oh, I don't, I don't want to come to church and hear the preacher preach about how I need to be more gentle. I mean, I mean, Ben, when kids get those boo-boos, who do they go to? Dad or mom? Mom, mom right? Yeah. Because we're not known for being very gentle. But before, guys, before we just reject gentleness right out, we need to understand That if we say we don't want to be gentle, what we're saying is that we don't want to be like Jesus. Because Jesus was gentle. We have to talk about this word today because it describes a character quality of Christ. And we have to talk about this word today because our relationships are in desperate need of gentleness. And we need to understand this morning what gentleness means. And to do that, we have to look at Jesus. Let's look at this New Testament reading again from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is a beautiful invitation. Come to me. This morning, Jesus is inviting all of us, come to me. And I pray that you have come to Jesus. I pray you've had that moment in your life when you have turned from sin and from living for yourself and you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. That invitation extends to you today. Come to me. Come to Jesus today. He will give you rest for your weariness and for your burdens. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest For your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said that he was gentle, humble in heart. The problem is that we don't really understand this word, gentle. 
Sometimes, as you as in the, the translation that was read for our New Testament reading this morning, sometimes it's translated as meek. You might remember that from the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That word meek and gentle are the same word. Meek doesn't sound any better, does it, men? We don't want to be known as being meek. That just sounds so wimpy. But the Greek word that's translated meek or gentle, it literally means to tame a wild horse. Now think about a wild horse. Think about how strong and powerful a wild horse is. There's nothing wimpy about a wild horse. There's nothing weak about that. There's nothing, you know, mild-mannered about that. But for that horse to be useful, for anybody to be able to use that horse to ride on or to, to work on a farm or to do anything like that, that horse has to be Gentled. That's actually a, a, a word that trainers use, the gentling of a horse. For that horse to be able to trust someone and come alongside with someone and be harnessed by someone, it has to be gentled. A horse is fierce, strong, powerful. You don't want to mess with a horse. But for this little girl here to ride on that powerful horse, it had to be gentled. Its power had to be harnessed. And focused for good. That's the word picture we need to have in our minds when we think of the Christian virtue of gentleness. It's the power and strength of a horse brought under control. Let's use this definition. Gentleness is the power of your potential under God's control. That's what gentleness is. The power of your potential under God's control. And the only way you're ever going to reach your full potential is to surrender the control of your life to Jesus Christ. To come up under His Lordship, and then you'll reach your fullest potential. Ask yourself this morning, what areas of my life need to come under the control of Christ? What areas of my life do I need to submit to His Lordship? And I want to propose for us seven areas that we need to place under God's control to take the yoke of Christ upon us if we want to fully bear the Spirit's fruit and reach our potential for Christ. And the first of those is character. Character is foundational because our character has the potential to make or break every relationship in our lives. Think about some positive character traits that you enjoy in people. Think about the people you like to have around you. What are the positive character traits that you, you like in others? Think about what some of those negative character traits are. That might be a little bit easier to think about. The things that annoy you and frustrate you and drive you crazy. Good or bad, we all have character traits. We all have character traits. We all have flawed characters. We also have positive characters. Good or bad, all of our character needs to be brought under the control of Jesus Christ. And here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus reaches down His hand to us and befriends us before we get our acts together. He doesn't wait for us to become gentle. He doesn't wait for our character to become perfect and then to become our friends. No, Jesus befriends us and draws us to Himself so that we can become gentle. So that we might begin to take on the character of Christ. I mean, just think about some of Jesus' closest friends. Like Peter. Peter, who liked to put his foot in his mouth, right? 
Peter, who would leap before he looked. Peter, who would open up his mouth and say all kinds of things and get himself into trouble. Peter, who was hot-headed and had a temper. Peter, who, who told Jesus, you're not going to the cross. And Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter had character flaws. Think about James and John. James and John, they were called the sons of thunder because they loved to argue and fuss and fight and they got angry at the drop of a hat. Jesus surrounded himself with people who had character flaws. One example of this is that Jesus and the disciples went into this one town to minister and the people there rejected him. And look what it says in Luke 9:54. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, "Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them?" Boy, is that an overreaction. And and, and look at Jesus's response in the next verse. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. He rebuked James and John. Not the town that rejected him, but James and John. And that Greek word there for rebuke, it's the same word that's used in the story where Jesus calms the storms. It says He rebuked the wind and the waves. And that word rebuke means to tame. To, to, to put the reins on. To pull back, slow down. Whoa, boys, whoa. That's what Jesus did. And Jesus didn't give up on these guys. Instead, He said, let me teach you and show you what it's like to be gentle. And Jesus was faithful to keep working on them, to chip away at their rough edges. He changed their character so they could go on to change the world. Because Peter, James, and John were three of the pillars of the early church. We wouldn't be here today if it weren't for Peter, James, and John. Think of the character traits in your life that most need to be changed. You might need to ask other people to point out some of the character traits in your life that need to be changed. And ask God to help you work on and change those character flaws. See, a gentle person is someone whose character comes up under God's control. And that in turn changes their outlook. Changes their outlook. We need to submit our outlook to the control of Christ. See, gentle people are people who see things and see others in a different light. A gentle person just doesn't think of themselves. A gentle person is outwardly focused. They try to understand and empathize with other people. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, the same attitude, as the same outlook as that of Christ Jesus. See, Jesus is our model. Paul goes on to talk about how Jesus humbled Himself. He laid aside His rights and powers as God and He stepped down from that throne in heaven to put on flesh and blood, to be made in the likeness of a man, to be humbled as a slave and to submit to the Father's will and to die the sinner's death on the cross that you and I deserve. Jesus had the outlook of gentleness, not thinking about Himself, but thinking of you and me and bridging that gap between a holy God and sinful people. 
And when we are under God's control, we're going to begin to see other people differently. We're going to see our spouse differently. We're going to see our children differently. We're going to see our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers and our classmates differently. We're going to see them through the eyes of Jesus. And that outlook is going to allow us to become more nurturing in our relationship with others. And that's the next word. Nurturing. We see the needs of others. We care for them. We treat them with tenderness. We try to meet their needs. But again, guys, this word nurturing doesn't sound very manly either, does it? And you think about nurturing, I mean, that's something mom does, right? Mom's nurturing. The word nurturing is a little too mothering for us. We're men. We fix things. We make things happen. We don't, you know, tell me about your feelings. I'm so sorry. I know that must frustrate you. That's not what we want to say. We want to say, you know, all right, tell me his name. I'll go rough him up. You know, we, we, we want to say, all right, you, you know, we want to fix it, okay? Give me the details. Let me fix it. Let me give you a plan to, to make this better. That's what we want to do. But think about how powerful moms really are, man. I mean, we know. <clears throat> we know who the real powerful one is at home, amen? It's mom. We've heard and read stories, maybe you've seen in the news or heard stories about people who are in places like the Smoky Mountains and maybe they inadvertently come between a mama bear and her cubs. Right? You think about how angry mama bear can get, right? Mama bear can get very angry. I tried to Google pictures of angry mama bear. This is all I could find. (laughs) And I think the reason is, is because any photographer that got between a mama bear and her cubs, I don't know that he ever made it back home. You know, I mean, it's... That mama bear gets protective. And she goes from playing with and nurturing her cubs to devouring somebody. And then back over here to to nurturing and playing with her cubs. Gentleness is power under control. Remember that. It's the power to, to, to cause growth, not the power to destroy. It's the power to give life, not the power to take it. Think about it this way. You can either be fierce toward your kids or you can be fierce for your kids. Which are you? Which are you? Jesus was gentle. But one time he made a whip and he walked into the temple and he drove the the, the, the lying, dishonest money changers out of the temple. Jesus was gentle, but he was fierce for the glory of God. What are you fierce for? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul says, We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Paul said that he and his missionary team, when they came to the church of Thessalonica, he said, we had the right, we had the authority, and we could have exerted that authority. We could have come in there making demands. But we didn't. We came in humble as children. We came in nurturing you as a mother does her children. They were nurturing and gentle. They weren't harsh and demanding. But man, just to show you that we can also be nurturing too, Paul goes on in verses 11 and 12 to write, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, 
and urging you to live lives worthy of God. See, fathers, we can be nurturing as well. We can nurture our children by encouraging them and urging them to do the right thing, by comforting them in difficult times, just as God our Father and our Good Shepherd comforts us in difficult times. Amen? Moms and dads, we can get things done by demanding and using force, or we can get the same or maybe even better results by being tender and encouraging and comforting and urging our children to live lives worthy of God. See, nurturing and gentleness are powerful forces. And we need to realize the power that we have and put it to good work, especially when it comes to our words, to our talk. Gentleness harnesses the power of our words. Talk is the next word up there. Gentleness it harnesses the power of our words so that what we say, how we say it, when we say it, are all under the control of God. On Wednesday nights, we've been working through Proverbs down in the Fellowship Hall. And past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the power of our words. For good or for evil. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we can choose to be harsh and demanding with our words, and, and which only stokes the flames of anger and resentment, or we can choose to be gentle with our words and diffuse the situation and disarm the person that we're talking to. I read a story about a missionary in Jamaica who was teaching the Beatitudes, and they got to Matthew 5.5 5 where it talked about blessed are the meek. And the missionary is trying to explain to these little Jamaican boys what it meant to be, to be meek. And he asked them, he said, who are the meek? And one little boy answered, those who give soft answers to rough questions. I like that. The meek, the gentle, are those who give soft answers to rough questions. We, we would do well to remember that. James, who was Jesus' half-brother and, and the leader of the church in Jerusalem, he wrote extensively in James chapter 3 about our need to control our tongues. He said that anyone who can control their tongue, they can master the rest of their body. That's how important and powerful and hard to control the tongue is. It's interesting. He actually uses this analogy of taming a horse. Now, we've said that to be meek, to be gentle, is like to be a wild horse that's been harnessed and brought under control. Look at this analogy that James uses in James chapter 3. He says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it, make great, it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. 
All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Just as a horse has to be tamed and guided, just as a large boat has to be steered and kept on course, just as a spark needs to be contained so that it is helpful and not destructive, so our words need to be bridled. Our words need to be steered. They need to be contained so that we can use our words for the benefit of others and not for their harm. Paul gives us a great test for how we should consider using our words. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. We could just stop right there, couldn't we? But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Are your words benefiting those who listen? Do you use your words to build other people up or to tear them down? Are you speaking for your own benefit or for the benefit of those who hear you? Your words are powerful. And a gentle person understands this. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses, there's a song. It's like a psalm, like we would find in the book of Psalms, but it was written by Moses. Right as the children of Israel are getting ready to enter the promised land. And he starts off this poem with these words. Let my teaching fall like rain. And my words descend like dew. Like showers on new grass. Like abundant rain on tender plants. May this be our prayer. As husbands and wives. As moms and dads. As teachers and leaders. Let's consider, are our words like a gentle spring shower that brings refreshing rain, that brings new life and growth? Or are our words more like a severe thunderstorm with golf ball-sized hail that destroys everything in its wake? What are your words like? Because how we use our words will largely be dependent upon how we respond to those around us. Especially those that we're frustrated with. Those who disappoint or hurt us. And that's the next area that we need to make sure is under the control of God. And that is how we respond to other people. With our words, with our body language, with our actions, how we respond to others. How do you respond to others when they hurt you? When they, when they disappoint you, when they frustrate you? your plans, when you're angry? Do you say the first thing that comes to your mind when you're angry? Because, you know, we probably shouldn't even say the second or third thing that comes to our mind when we're angry, should we? That's, you know, the old adage, stop and count to ten. You know, we, sometimes we need that time, that space to think about what we're going to say. That's what a gentle person does. A gentle person thinks. They play it through their mind before they speak or before they text or tweet or comment on Facebook. Just take a few moments and think about what you're going to say. Run it through Paul's test in Ephesians 4.29 and ask yourself, is what I'm about to say, what I'm about to text, is this going to build somebody up or tear them down? Is this going to benefit them 
or benefit me? Is this unwholesome talk? Ask yourself that question. I think it'll change your life. It's an area that I'm not perfect at. I need to keep working on it. By the grace of God, one day I'll get there. Just stop before you react. Stop before you hit send. Remember the power of a gentle answer versus the destruction of a harsh one. And remember that people are going to disappoint you. I hate to break it to you. People are going to let you down. They're going to hurt your feelings. They're going to frustrate you. You can't avoid that reality, but what you can do is choose how you respond when it happens. Amen? The prophet Elijah was a a fierce but gentle warrior for God. And one day, he took out 450 prophets of the false god Baal. You remember that story where he, you know, they set up the kind of the competition and they've got the altar and we're going to pray and see who calls down fire from heaven. And of course, you know, the, 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 the worshipers of Baal, they dance around their altar and nothing happens. And Elijah has them douse his altar with all this water and he prays once and fire comes and consumes it all. And the people say, well, we're going to choose to worship the Lord today. And, and those prophets of Baal were put to death. He was a fierce warrior for God, but he followed up that amazing success with a, with a terrible defeat, with a huge failure. So he ran and hid from the crazy king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel. He went and hid up in a mountain cave. And so God went looking for Elijah. And God went to that cave. And he called Elijah out. He said, Elijah, what are you doing in there? And Elijah just started complaining. You know, woe is me. Poor me. He had himself a little pity party there. And so God called him out to stand on the side of the mountain. Now listen, when you were in school, did you want to get called out by the principal? No. Imagine how nervous you'd be if you were called out by God. I mean, Elijah goes and stands on the side of that mountain and he's thinking, is God going to strike me down with a bolt of lightning? Is God going to send an earthquake and just crumble this mountain down around me? Is God going to whip up some tornado to come and suck me up and blow me away? Is God going to burn me up with His fire? And God demonstrated for Elijah that He could have done all of that. God had the power to destroy Elijah right there. And so God sent a wind. And God sent an earthquake. And God sent a fire. But Kings tells us that God wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. But God was in a gentle whisper. See, God could have come down with an iron fist on Elijah, but He didn't. He spoke to Elijah. He called to Elijah through a gentle whisper. Maybe today you feel like Elijah. Maybe you've run away from church. You've run away from God. You've tried to hide. Maybe you've tried to run and hide from your problems. Maybe you found yourself complaining to God and you feel like you've just let Him down. And so you're afraid. You're afraid today that God's going to come at you with clenched fists. But I'm here to tell you that He's not. He's going to come to you with arms wide open. He's going to come to you in that gentle whisper. He's going to come to you and say, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. That's how God responds to us. Why can't we respond to each other that way? Why can't we be like that with one another? 
Ask yourself, how do you respond to others? Are you like an earthquake? You just kind of come in and you shake things up? Are you like some kind of consuming fire? You go through the house, you burn everything up, and then you say, okay, now what was the problem? Or are you like a gentle whisper? Are your words like a refreshing rain? Like dew in the morning? Paul says in Ephesians 4.2, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. See, when you put yourself under God's control, He gets to work. And He changes you from the inside out. He changes your character and your outlook. He makes you more nurturing. He changes how you talk and how you respond to other people. And as a result, you start seeing opportunities. Opportunities. That's the next area we bring under God's control. God's purpose for you is that you would be a blessing to other people, right? And gentleness allows us to be a force for blessing others at home, at work, at school, online. As this expression of the fruit of the Spirit changes us and makes us more gentle toward other people, we begin to see more and more opportunities around us to serve others and to do good works for the glory of God. We start to see problems as opportunities. Paul said in Philippians 4, 5, Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Let me ask you to do this. When you wake up in the morning before your, heat, your feet hit the floor, take a moment and just ask God to reveal to you throughout the day opportunities to be a blessing. Just say, God, today show me opportunities to serve other people. Show me opportunities to encourage or help other people. And you know what's going to happen? You'll go throughout your day wondering, is this the moment? Is this it? Is this the conversation where I get to invite someone to church or share the gospel? Is this the moment that I get to stop and pray with somebody who's had a really tough day? Is this the moment that maybe God's going to give me to be a blessing to this person, to encourage this person, to help me to need? We begin to go through our days with a sense of anticipation, looking for those God moments to help other people. And y'all, there are so many opportunities around us to bless others. There are so many needs in our community to meet. There are so many lost and broken people all around us. If we would just open our eyes and allow God to show us those opportunities, can you imagine the impact that we could have in this community? And really, all of this, every one of these areas is all about this final one. And that is letting Christ lead. Being gentle is like being that tamed, that harnessed, that focused and controlled horse. And Jesus is the one with the reins. He's the one who's leading us. And we follow Him. This morning, will you let Christ lead in your marriage? Will you let Christ lead in your parenting, in your business, in your work? See, Jesus saw an opportunity 2,000 years ago to help you. He knew that you could never get to heaven on your own. You could never be good enough. You could never answer enough Bible questions. You could never give enough. You could never go to church enough. He knew that He had to humble Himself, die the death you deserve, take your punishment upon Himself so that you could be saved and forgiven. He came 
to offer that invitation, come to me. And listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him, to this Jesus, who did so much for us, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or can imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God can do far more in your home, in your relationships, in your life, than you could ever in your wildest dreams imagine to ask Him to do. He can do more. And He does it. Not by pushing us around. Not by being harsh and demanding. But by His Spirit working deeply and gently in us if we just let Him lead. If we submit ourselves to His control. Remember, gentleness is the power of your potential under God's control. Are you the one that's in control of your life? Are you the one that's sitting in your driver's seat calling all the shots? Or have you surrendered your life to the one who made you, who knows you inside and out better than you know yourself, and yet who still died on the cross that you might live eternally? He will do far more in your life than you could ever ask or imagine. Will you this morning trust Him today to take away your sins and to give you a fresh start? Today you can know this gentle Savior who loves you so much. This morning, what area? Maybe one of these seven areas. Maybe another specific area. What area of your life today do you need to resubmit to the control of Christ? Maybe it's your talk. Maybe it's how you respond to others when you're angry or disappointed. Maybe it's that you aren't actively looking for opportunities to serve. Maybe it's some character flaw in your life. How this morning do you need to submit your life under God's control? Are you letting Christ lead your life? Maybe this morning you need to answer His call and let Him lead you to join this church family. Maybe this morning you need to answer His call and let Him lead you to make a public profession of faith and follow Him in believer's baptism. Maybe this morning you need to say, you know what, God has been leading me to serve in this way and I've been saying no. God's been leading me to give more and I've been resistant. This morning would you come, you can speak to me or just pray at this altar, but would you come today and just lay it down at the feet of the cross and surrender your all to Him. Let's pray together. Father, we love You and thank You for this message, for this beautiful truth. We thank You for the example of Christ. He was gentle and humble. And He is the perfect man, the most perfect man who ever lived. He is our example of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a human, what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a child, what it means to be a brother or sister. He is the perfect example of how we are to be in every relationship in our life. If He was gentle, then we need to be gentle too. God, help us to swallow our pride, to lay down our ego, to stop thinking about ourselves and help us to begin to look out at other people, to look at how we can be nurturing to them, to look at how we can benefit them in our speech, to change the way we respond to other people so that we don't see them as problems to overcome, but as opportunities in which we can bless. Help us to surrender our all to You today. And Jesus, let You lead. It's in Your name we pray. Amen.